Welcome to the Powers on Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Powers. This is the first podcast of 2020. A new decade. We took a little break in December as we got through the holidays and New Year's and all that good stuff, but we are back, ready to roll for 2020. Got some exciting uh, football to discuss tonight. We're going to talk about college football championship game, Clemson LSU. We're going to talk NFL, huge NFL weekend. We had wild card weekend. We're going to recap the games from wild card weekend. We're going to preview the divisional matchups. We're going to talk coaching carousels in the NFL. Lots of coaching changes in the last several days. A couple coaching changes in college football we're going to talk about. And then we're going to talk, finally, we're going to wrap it up. We're going to discuss the potential major quarterback derby that's potentially developing in the NFL as we head into free agency. So, hope everybody had a nice holiday, Christmas, Hanukkah, and whatever. If there's any other holidays that you celebrate during this time of the year, hope you had a great New Year, stayed safe, had a good time, all that good stuff. As we head into 2020, can you believe it's already 2020? I mean, I can I can remember when we were having the the Y2K fears of 2000 and just all that stuff, and it's amazing to think it's already 2020. We are in the new decade. All right, so let's do some wild card recaps, NFL wild card recaps first. We'll hit that first, and then we'll preview the division matchups. And then we'll um, jump to the coaching carousel, and then we'll f- finish it up with the college. We're going to go wrap it up with college football. We have an awesome college football matchup. Okay, wild card weekend. Three out of the four road teams win. Seattle, Tennessee, Minnesota. The only home, the only team to hold serve at home were the Houston Texans, and that was looking very dicey for for quite some time. Buffalo up sixteen nothing mid third quarter. I have to go to an event where I can't. I have to stop watching the game. Don't have any access to the phone, and all of a sudden, when my 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 uh, commitment was over, I look at the phone. And it's nineteen sixteen, Houston, late in the fourth quarter. Some very, uh, from what it sounds like, some very uh, bad play calling, quarterback performance by Josh Allen late in the third quarter, fourth quarter. You know, some questionable coaching decisions by Sean McDermott. He was up, he went forward on fourth and 27 late in the game when he had timeouts. You know, uh, Houston had a suspect uh, series of downs at the end where they could have iced the game, but they, they give Buffalo another shot. Buffalo sends the game to overtime on a field goal, last play of regulation. Houston goes down in overtime. I mean, not, excuse me, Buffalo drives the ball in overtime to about the Houston 40. Probably need about five or six more yards to kick a field goal, and they can't get any yardage. They end up having a punt, and then Deshaun Watson makes the play, maybe the play of the year in the NFL, avoids two Buffalo defenders, gets blasted by both of them, somehow stays on his feet, scrambles, throws the ball to Taiwan Jones in the flat. Jones runs about 45 yards. To the Houston ten yard, I mean to the Buffalo ten yard line, where they kick a game winning field goal late in the first overtime. But um, JJ Watt returns for Houston again. Just a very, Buffalo squanders 
many of opportunity in the first half to put the game away by kicking field goal after field goal. Only up 16-0. They probably should have been up at least 21-0, if not more than that. But again, just a uh, learning experience for Buffalo. Very good defense, but the offense just sounds like it went on full uh, full uh, lockdown in the second half. And just uh, I think something you'll you'll see Buffalo grow from. Hopefully, Josh Allen needs some more weapons. I mean, just the, the the weapons they have are just decent players. They don't have any game breaking players. They got a good running back in Singletary, a good number two receiver in John Brown. They need a game breaker. Uh, wide receiver kind of guy um, to solidify it, and obviously Josh Allen just has to get, be better. He's got to be more accurate. Got to make the easy. Got to make the throws you got to make in that league. He's got a big arm, but his accuracy is very questionable at this point in his career. So Houston escapes. They're going to go to Kansas City on Sunday to go see Patrick Mahomes. Wild card game number two on Saturday. Is this the end of the uh, the end of the dynasty? Is the dynasty over in Foxborough as the Tennessee Titans go into Foxborough and win 20-13? to 13. A uh, defensive game, a Derrick Henry game. Henry gets about 30, 34, 35 carries, runs for 180 yards. Brady scores. They score well in the first half. They go right. They score 13 in the first half and do not score in the second half. One of the big moments of the game, late second Late second quarter, first and goal at the one for New England. Three straight runs to the left for nothing. End up losing three yards, kick a field goal. Tennessee goes right down the field at the end of the half and scores a touchdown to go up 14-13. Second half, again, defensive game. Um, Fourth quarter, a couple questionable decisions by Belichick. Do you go for it on fourth and short or do you punt? And Belichick punted every time. A huge drop by Julian Edelman on the last Basically, the second-to-last drive of the game for the Patriots with about three minutes to go. Um, big drop. Vrabel pulling out some tricks, utilizing the clock to his advantage. Tennessee drives late. In the, got the ball about six minutes to go, fourth quarter. He's able to milk two, almost two minutes off the clock in a punting situation at about the New England 40 by take, taking a delay a game, then taking an intentional false start. So... Kind of a tactic Belichick used earlier in the season against the Jets that uh, Vrabel turns around and uses on Belichick. Belichick doesn't use any of his timeouts to prevent it. Either way, the the Patriots got the ball four minutes to go, was driving at about midfield. Edelman drops an easy throw for a first down, which probably is going to lead to at least a field goal attempt to win the game. Drop the ball. Fourth and three, Belichick decides to punt. Pins... Tennessee deep, a couple nice throws by Tannehill, get the ball out to about midfield, where they end up having to punt in the last 25, 30 seconds of the game. New England, for some reason, doesn't have a return man back to have somebody deep to field the punt, so the ball rolls all the way to the one-yard line, whereas whereas Brady throws the game, ending uh, pick six to former Patriot Logan Ryan. So, just a Tough, tough ending if you're a Patriots fan. Obviously, lots of people out here hate the Patriots, so they're ecstatic. Um, Brady, a a pending free agent. Give the guy a break. The guy had no weapons. Zero offensive opportunities to throw to. Dorsett, Nikhil Harry. Edelman is a number two at best. He's not a number one wide receiver. He's old. He's slow. They don't have any speed on the offense. 
tight ends were invisible. Sony Michelle, not much of a factor due to the offensive line issues. Just a very tough year offensively for Brady. He was gritting and gutting every single week during the regular season just to score 20 points. I mean, this was not a prolific offense by any means. The defense uh, probably wore down a little bit. Derrick Henry, great running back, tremendous effort, 182 yards, good effort by Vrabel, goes into Foxborough, wins the game. Now they head to Baltimore on Saturday night to go see Lamar Jackson. Sunday, another upset special in New Orleans. A sh- uh, I would say a shocking result, but a very surprising result. The Vikings go into, into New Orleans, win the game, 26-20 overtime. Kirk Cousins plays very well, doesn't have to throw the ball a ton. They lean on Dalvin Cook. Drew Brees looked, did not play very well as an offensively. Taysom Hill was kind of the star of the game on offense for New Orleans. Threw, threw a long ball, caught a touchdown pass. Um, you know, very, very good player. Very utilized very well by Peyton. Um, critical fumble late in the fourth quarter by uh, Brees on a, on a, getting, got hit from behind. They do get the game to overtime. They Minnesota gets the ball first in overtime, goes straight down the field. Cousins throws a beautiful bomb to Thielen to about the five-yard line. They punch it in on a controversial push-off. Was it a push-off? Not push-off by Kyle Rudolph. I think it's a push-off. I think you have to make that call. If you're in New York, you have to review that call, and you have to call that pass interference, in my opinion. You cannot end a playoff game on that kind of advantageous play. Rudolph clearly extended his arms. Not that he was – had he just been pushing off and had not extended his arms, not a huge deal. But when you're 6'5 and you extend your arms, you create absolute separation. Probably should have been a review because what would have happened there, they've got to replay third down. At worst, they kick a field goal. They give Minnes, you know, they give New Orleans, New Orleans gets a shot to score. That way, you you can't the officiating is taken out of the game. And now, I just I just don't understand why that that was not a overturned call turned into a pass interference call. I know they've not done a whole lot of overturns during this season, but that was just a blatant one. And when those kind of plays end a game and end somebody's season, those are those make it tough to handle. So uh, Minnesota advances. They head to San Francisco on a short turnaround. Got to go play Saturday afternoon in San Francisco. Uh, again, great job by the Minnesota defense. Great job by Kirk Cousins and Dalvin Cook. Um, but they play a different monster this week in, uh, in one uh, Jimmy G and the 49ers. Drew Brees, pending free agent potentially. I don't see him going anywhere. He'll either play... For one more year for the Saints, or I don't, and I don't think he's going to retire. So I think the Saints will find a way to get something done with him. Question is, what do you do with Teddy Bridgewater, and what do you do with Taysom Hill? Because uh, Bridgewater is a free agent; he'll have some interest on the open market. I don't think they're going to pay a, a fortune to keep Bridgewater, but they might. So we'll see. Last game of the day in Philadelphia, Seattle goes into Philly. Beats Philadelphia for a second second time this year on the road. Wins 17-9. The Obviously, the narrative of this game was Carson Wentz going out early in the game. First quarter with a head injury. A very a questionable hit by uh, Jadavian Clowney. I don't think it was a... I don't think it was... Uh, it should have definitely been a 15-yard penalty. Uh, I didn't like that he went in with his head. He basically launched with his head. 
drove hit hit Wentz in the back of the head, then drove Wentz's head into the turf, causing the, the head injury. Wentz doesn't return. Josh McCown has to come off the bench. Forty year old Josh McCown. I mean, this guy's played a hundred years. I give him credit. He played he played admirably. He was admirable in his performance. He just couldn't get the ball in the end zone. They they got to the red zone a bunch, kicked three field goals, went for it twice inside the 25 in the fourth quarter and just couldn't convert. I thought Peterson should have kicked a field goal. He was down 17 to 9. I thought Peterson could have kicked a field goal with about six minutes to go to make it 17 to 12. He ended up going for it, fourth and five, didn't make it. They got the ball down there again to about the 10-yard line on a pass interference call, and then McCown gets sacked on fourth down on an ill-advised scramble play. Um, So, again, not that Philadelphia was going to do much damage, but they were massively depleted at wide receiver. But uh, I definitely think uh, if if, uh, Wentz is playing, I, I definitely believe Philadelphia finds a way to win the game. They hold Seattle to 17 points and basically nothing on offense. Um, so DK Metcalf was the star for Seattle. A couple big catches, big long touchdown catch, and then a rainbow catch on third and ten late in the game, which 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 was able to allow Seattle to run the clock out. So Seattle now goes to Green Bay in the divisional round. Let's go to divisional weekend. Let's give you a quick preview. Saturday afternoon, San Francisco hosts Minnesota. Jimmy G and the Niners by week had a f- full 14 days off. I think that's really going to help them. Playing at home is going to help them. You get the return of Quan Alexander to the lineup. Their middle linebacker, former Buck. I know him well. He'll be a good, good, good addition back to the lineup. The key to this game is can San Francisco protect Jimmy G? If they can, I think they're going to win handily. Uh, the Minnesota defensive line played very well at, at New Orleans. Pressured Breeze. But if the 49ers' offensive line, especially in pass protection, can keep Jimmy G upright, I think there's going to be some opportunities in the passing game. San Francisco's got a very creative running game. you got Mostert, Coleman, Breida. I think you're going to see some very creative running running action out of uh, San Francisco. And for Minnesota, you gotta, you're got you going to have to open up the game plan a little bit. I think you're going to see uh Thielen came down with a little injury here this week in practice apparently he tweaked his ankle in practice has some stitches he won't I mean he, he's probably going to play but he won't be at 100 percent so look for a lot of Stefan uh, Diggs but I like San I really like San Francisco in this spot two weeks to get ready defensive uh very defensive oriented team quality running game play action game Emmanuel Sanders Kittle uh, Minnesota's a little depleted on the secondary, so I, I expect San Francisco to get it done at home this week comfortably over the Minnesota Vikings. Second game, Saturday night in Baltimore. The Titans come a-calling. Derrick Henry, look for Henry to get another 30 carries. This is this might be the fastest game we've had all year in the NFL. Both teams love to run the ball. Long drives, a lot of run. I mean, in between the tackles kind of running. You're not going to see a ton of, of throwing the ball. If, if both teams have their druthers, they're going to run the ball 40 times each if they can. The question is, can the Tennessee defense stop the Baltimore running attack? Mark Ingram's still going to be iffy. Came back to practice uh, on Thursday. First practice in about two and a half weeks. Again, he has a calf injury. Those injuries are always very iffy. One cut, one bad cut, one bad uh, plan of his foot. He could be done. So, again, look for Gus Edwards to get plenty of touches. Uh, look for Lamar to run the ball. 
look for Mark Andrews, the tight end. I think if you're Tennessee, obviously Baltimore is going to be playing Henry to run the ball significantly. You have to play action pass here. A.J. Brown, Corey Davis, Jonu Smith, you got to get them involved in the play action pass game with Tannehill. He's capable. Uh, he's not going to throw for 400 yards, but he's capable of popping those deep crossing routes and those play action fakes on that Baltimore secondary. Uh, Marcus Peters is susceptible. Uh, Jimmy Smith, Marlon Humphrey. So that's a key matchup to look at is can, can Tennessee complete those play action deep shots? Because Baltimore is going to be playing the run, playing Derrick Henry. And if they can establish the run with Henry, there's going to be some opportunity in the play action pass game. So this is a 10 point spread. I think this game is going to be a little closer one because Tennessee is going to try to shorten the game with the, with the ball control. Uh, I expect Baltimore to win, but I think this is going to be a little bit closer game than people think. I think this game is going to be a game in the fourth quarter. If Tennessee can somehow force a turnover just to stay in the game, you got to steal a couple possessions, trick play, fake punt kind of deal, something like that, be on the lookout for Vrabel to do that because uh, he understands that their defense is not great in Tennessee. They give up some yards. They give up you know, some chunk plays. Um, so look for Tennessee to empty out the playbook as far as some trickery, fake punt, onside, surprise onside kick kind of situation. But I think Baltimore is going to gonna get, get by, but I would take Tennessee in the 10 points. Sunday, Kansas City. The Chiefs host the Texans. Uh, Houston beat KC earlier in the season in Arrowhead. You got Deshaun coming in. Looks like Will Fuller is going to be back for the Texans. And obviously you have Hopkins. You got Carlos Hyde. Uh, to me, the matchup of the game is the Kansas City offense and the Houston defense. Can Romeo Cornell devise another plan to keep to keep to minimize the huge plays, the big play uh, spurt ability that the Chiefs have? Tyrone, I mean uh, Watkins. You got Tyreek Hill. You got Damian Williams and uh, running the ball. You got Kelsey at tight end. The weather's supposed to be cold, maybe a little, maybe a little bit of snow. So be on the lookout for that. Mahomes plays well in these kind of conditions. Um, you know, Deshaun Watson was getting hit left and right last week by uh, the Buffalo defense. I think he got sacked seven or eight times. You know, if, if the front four of Kansas City can put some consistent pressure, they played much better in the last six weeks of the season, the Kansas City defense. Tyron Matthews been a beast. Chris Jones, uh, Frank Clark. So be looking for the front, front four pressure. And the scramble plays by Houston, that's what's going to keep Houston in this game is if Deshaun Watson can make some scramble plays and pop some big plays off these off these uh, second reaction pass plays where, where he gets flushed out of the pocket, scramble play type things. And obviously Will Fuller being back is going to help the Texans. He's a big play threat. Uh, they've not lost a game this year when he's played and caught more than uh, three passes in a game. So be on the lookout for that. I like Kansas City in the game. Kansas City's a huge favorite. I don't know about the 10 points, but I think Kansas City will win the game at home. The crowd will be a factor. I think the Damian Williams running game will be a factor. I think you'll see Damian Williams run the ball well. And I think you'll see Mahomes gash that secondary this 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 week uh, with, with Hill, with Kelsey, and with Watkins. So, And, and look out for uh, Hardman, rookie out of Georgia. Big play. Special teams guy, big play in, this, in, a, in a reverse. You know he he's he's kind of their big play guy uh, in the in these moments of, of thing. But 
I think too much speed for Kansas City against the Houston defense. So I look for Kansas City to advance. They uh, maybe the game of the week is maybe is probably in Green Bay Sunday night. Lambeau, cold, frozen tundra. Rodgers, Wilson. Rodgers on the bye week, coming off two weeks off. I think you're going to see a motivated Aaron Rodgers. I don't like the Seattle secondary. I know they got they got Jadavian Clowney back, but I'm not a huge fan of that secondary. I think they're going to, there's going to be some opportunity for Devontae Adams in the passing attack. Um, Aaron Jones will be a major factor for Green Bay in the running attack. He, they, he's kind of been the driver this year of the offense. When they've got him going, they've become pretty tough to beat. So look for the play-action pass off the run. Look for a little Jimmy Graham. Maybe look for a little Alan Lazard. And look for Devontae Adams. I really like I like Green Bay. Green Bay's minus four. I don't like the, the, the Seattle running game. Uh, Minnesota, or Green Bay is a little susceptible to the running game, but uh, Green Bay's got two very good defensive ends. They've got a very good secondary. So I really I think the Packers will f- figure out figure out a way to get it done. Uh, I like Green Bay by 10 points in this in this one. Uh, Russell Wilson, time to go home for vacation to go see CR for the for the for the winter. I like Green Bay. All right, let's talk some coaching carousels. There's been some uh, coaching hires in the last several days throughout the NFL. You got the Cowboys hiring McCarthy, Carolina hiring Matt Rule, the Giants hiring the surprise hire has been the Giants with Joe Judge, the special teams guy from New England. Washington hired Ron Rivera, and Cleveland is the only opening still left. It sounds like they want to have their decision made by Saturday. I would be – don't be surprised if you see Josh McDaniels go to – Josh McDaniels or Robert Sala go to Cleveland. Um, interesting with Matt Rule going to Carolina. They paid a fortune for him, the, the Carolina owner, seven years, $62 million, potentially up to $70 million for seven years. Uh, apparently – the, the interesting story here is how the how Carolina kind of trumped the Giants. Everybody thought the Giants were going to be in all in a Matt Rule. They had coached there previously. Apparently the owner of the Carolina Panthers was waiting for Matt Rule when he got home from his vacation following the uh, the Baylor Bowl game at the Sugar Bowl. Literally in at his driveway, helped the family unload the, the, the uh, luggage from the car and locked them into the house until they had a deal done. Seven years, $62 million. Uh, definitely going to be a, 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 an opportunity to rebuild the franchise in Carolina. What are you going to do with Cam Newton? You know, but Matt Rule jumps jumps ship from Baylor and goes to the Carolina Panthers. The Giants with the surprise hire of Joe Judge. They again, they kind of they were made to look a little bit sketchy when they didn't get an opportunity to even meet with Matt Rule. Again, very surprising that the uh, the Mara family wasn't able to get that done. They kind of. I don't think they thought that uh, Rule would, 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 would take a job without talking to the Giants, but he did. So the Giants bring in Joe Judge, highly recommended uh, special teams guy from the Patriots, special teams coordinator for the Patriots, worked for Saban. Apparently, or Belichick gave him a very good, strong recommendation. So Joe Judge becomes the second special teams guy to get a head coaching job following John Harbaugh. And if he has any half the success Harbaugh does, it'll be a big hire. So it'll be interesting to see how Joe Judge, who turned down the Mississippi State job apparently to, to interview with the Giants and, and be in the mix there. So it'll be interesting to see what Joe Joe Judge does in, in New York, what kind of offensive scheme he has, what kind of defense. 
Sounds like he wants to play hard-nosed football, kind of northeast, rugged defense, running game. You got Barkley, you got Daniel Jones. Your defense is not very good, so got to rebuild the defense. Got some offensive uh, potential with, with Jones and Barkley, but we'll see. Rivera goes to Washington. Dan Daniel Snyder was all in on Rivera from all indications. You know, he, t he takes the mantle in D.C. Who knows what's going to happen there? You got Haskins. You got, uh, you need to, you need, you, he's hopefully the quarterback of the future. But you get, this is something that will probably take a, a year or two to get to get rolling. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Again, Mike McCarthy goes to Dallas. Kind of the marriage between Jerry Jones and McCarthy. How much, how much say-so is McCarthy going to have from a personnel perspective? I think from an X's and O's perspective, it's a pretty good hire. Apparently, McCarthy's used this last year to kind of reinvent himself and kind of get up to speed on the modern game of the RPOs, the motions, the jet sweeps, all those kind of things that he wasn't doing in the last several years in Green Bay. I think you're going to see a motivated Mike McCarthy. He's been a very good CEO, head coach. So we'll see what happens in Big D. They better win some games next year because Jerry Jones is not going to be tolerating seven and nine, eight and eight in year one. They're ready to win. They got Dak. They got Zeke. They got a good defense. They got a good offensive line. So I think I think everybody's expecting a big first year out of Dallas out of Mike McCarthy. Be interested to see how he works how he works with Dak. You know McCarthy's one of McCarthy's bugaboos was his relationship with Aaron Rodgers kind of deter kind of soured in the last couple of years. Might have been just from being there so long. McCarthy was in Green Bay for 13 years. So at some point, you probably think, hey, the voice gets stale. The message gets old. Who knows? But uh, those, are the, those are the four hirings. The one job that's still open is Cleveland. Like I said, they're going to make a decision come Saturday or so. That is what they say. Who knows? Dumpster fire potentially in Cleveland. They did fire Kitchens. They fired the GM. Um, again, Jimmy Haslam got to figure out a way to stay out of the way. Let the let let a guy, you know, it's gonna be interesting if, when they hire if they hire the coach. Sounds like he's gonna have a big say in hiring the GM, which is kind of interesting. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there in uh, Cleveland. Again, they got they got great talent. Again, Landry, OBJ got a good running back. Mayfield needs to get his act together more off the field, I think. I think if, if he gets his act together off the field, I think the on-the-field stuff will get better. He definitely regressed this year, did not have a very good year at all in Cleveland. Stop doing the commercials. Stop doing all the other bull you-know-what. Get down to studying. Get down to learning the offense. Get in the best shape of your life. Be, a, be the leader of the team, not the leader of the uh, television screen. So... We'll see what happens. I got a, I got a feeling they're going to go Josh McDaniels, um, which is then going to strip the Patriots of, of major pieces. Joe Judge gone. I think McDaniels is going to go. So it's going to be very interesting to see. We're going to talk about Tom Brady's future here in just a couple of minutes. But that's coaching carousel. Obviously, from a college football perspective, Mississippi State just hired uh, Mike Leach from Washington State to go along with Lane Kiffin, who's going to be at Ole Miss. So. Mississippi college football is going to be at its kind of its peak of, of interest social media wise. Lots of uh, story, lots of uh, character and charisma coming out of Mississippi with Kiffin and Leach. That should be a very interesting uh, rivalry develop, that will develop there. 
Leach will be slinging the ball over the place. This will help their recruiting, I think, as far as skill players, receivers, quarterbacks, those kind of things. Kiffin likes to throw the ball a little bit too, so be it should be an interesting uh, offseason in, in the state of Mississippi in the SEC. SEC. So, quarterbacks. Let's talk about free agency and quarterbacks in the NFL. This could be one of the this could be one of the most historic years of of, of, of big time quarterbacks that are available, maybe ever in the history of the NFL. Here's a list of potential guys that could be free agents this year. Tom Brady for sure going to be a free agent. Philip Rivers most all but likely to be a free agent. Jameis Winston can be a free agent potentially. Marcus Mariota is going to be a free agent. Ryan Tannehill is going to be a free agent. Andy Dalton most likely is going to be a free agent with them having the number one pick and Joe Burrow coming to town. The wild card. What is the what is Carolina going to do with Cam Newton? Has one year left on his contract. Is he healthy? Is he not? Does Matt Rule want to start completely over and draft somebody? Do you want to roll one more year with Cam and then, re, you know, that's the, the zillion-dollar question. Does Cam mesh with kind of what Matt Rule wants to do on offense? Again, huge question there. Dave Derek Carr moving to Las Vegas with the Raiders can can be cut with no salary with no uh, salary cap implications if the, if the Raiders want to cut him. Does Gruden go one more one year into Vegas with Carr? Does he start anew? Does he go for you know? Does he make a play for Tom Brady? To help sell seats, what does John Gruden do in Oakland? Very interesting. It would not. What does Tampa do with Jameis Winston? Two options, three options with Winston. Again, Winston, infamous for his 30-30 club, 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. Apropos that he ends the regular season in Tampa in overtime in the last pass of the season by throwing an interception that's returned for a touchdown by the Atlanta Falcons. Such a Jekyll and Hyde player. So hard to, to, to determine what to do. Bruce Arians came out post uh, day after the final game of the season and, and made it very clear, hey, we like Jameis. He's done some good things here, but I'm not, I'm not, I don't have to have Jameis Winston to be a successful team here. We can find another quarterback that can be successful in this system. I think what he's trying to do is he's trying to temper down Jameis's demands for a you know, word coming out of Jameis's campus, he wants $30 million a year. Well, Jameis Winston ain't getting $30 million a year for any kind of multi-year extension from the Buccaneers. I think what you're going to see the Buccaneers do is evaluate their options up until 1st of March. Don't be surprised if they don't make a play for one Tom Brady. They got a ready-made offense, Evans, Godwin, O.J. Howard, a decent running game, a decent offensive line. The defense is improving. Don't be surprised if Tampa Bay is a sleeper in this Tom Brady situation. If they can get Tom Brady on a two-year deal, they'll let Jameis walk. Uh, if they can't get Tom Brady, I think they will They will franchise Jameis Winston one year, $28 million is about the, what the franchise number is, and let Jameis play it out for another year. But you cannot give Jameis at this point. You can maybe you could potentially do Jameis two years, fifty million, maybe. But you cannot. You're not going to pay Jameis Winston thirty million dollars a year on any kind of long-term extension. 
until he proves that he's not a turnover machine, apple or cherry preferred. Okay. Mariota is going to be a for sure free agent. Don't be surprised if nope. Don't be surprised if a team like New England takes a look at him. What is New England going to do with Tom Brady? I think in the end, Robert Kraft is going to intervene and they're going to he's going to sit down with Brady and and, and Belichick, and they're going to come to, an, to come to an agreement of two years, 60, 60 million, something like that, 60, 65 million, you know, forty of it. 35 of it guaranteed, something like that, with the guarantee that they're going to upgrade the offensive weapons. They've just got to get some offensive weapons for Tom. No matter who the quarterback is, whether it's Brady or anybody else, you cannot be rolling with Philip Dorsett, Matt Lacoste, you know, an aging Jewel. And I think if Brady goes, I think you'll see Edelman go. I think if Brady, if Brady walks, I think you'll see the Patriots get rid of Julian Edelman. Uh, if Brady comes back, I think you'll see you'll see Edelman back for one more year. But uh, I think in the end, Kraft will intervene before free agency gets here, and they'll figure out a way to work out a one or two year deal. But if he hits the market, Tom Brady, teams to look out for. I think Tampa, the Chargers, potentially Tennessee are the three teams. I think maybe in, maybe Indianapolis, potentially uh, with Brissett's future kind of murky. Uh, and his performance a little a little uh, sporadic this year. So those are the four teams that I think you could see Tom Brady go to if he hits the free agent market. Um, does he want to hit free agency? He's not said that, yay or nay. But you got to think uh, if the Patriot, you know, if if Kraft doesn't intervene, I don't think he's back. I think Kraft is the one that's going to have to intervene to get Tom Brady and Bill Belichick back together for for one more run. And I think if they can get together and get a couple receivers, they're they're right there, ready to ready to compete again. But there are other teams out there that will be in the market for Tom Brady. Tampa, LA Chargers, possibly Indianapolis, possibly Tennessee, and possibly potentially maybe the Las Vegas Raiders. Those are the five spots I think he would have any kind of legitimate chance of going to if he became a free agent. So again. Most interesting year of free agents in, 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 in the league. You got Rivers is out there. Be interesting to see where he ends up. He might end up in a place like Chicago. You could see him end up maybe in a place like Tennessee if they don't re-up re Tannehill. You could see him may, maybe go to an Indianapolis for a year. That's a team pretty close to ready for win. I don't think Rivers is going. Rivers is not going to a rebuild. He's going to a place that's very close to winning. Um, so... Be on the lookout. Again, I could see Rivers potentially being in Tampa maybe if something blows up with Winston and they and they can't get Brady because um, Arians, Arians is not rebuilding in Tampa. He, he needs to win in the next year or two. They're not looking to draft a rookie quarterback, I don't think. And uh, so it would be very interesting. Then you got obviously the Cam Newton situation. Does he get traded? Maybe somewhere out west. Maybe to the Chargers. Maybe to Las Vegas. Somebody like that. Uh, and then you got Derek Carr could potentially be a casualty, and Andy Dalton will be a casualty. So, be very interesting to see where some of these guys end up. Mitch Trubisky is definitely going to have some uh, quarterback competition in Chicago after his uh, very very up and down year in, in in Chicago. There'll be somebody there, maybe a Mariota, who's a mobile quarterback that can move around, run the same kind of offense as as, as uh, Trubisky. So again. Very interesting. There'll be some nice musical chairs at quarterback as we head into the NFL draft. So speaking of the draft, 
One Tua Tungavailoa from Alabama declares he's going to the draft. I think that's the right move for him. Um, I would be shocked if he's not drafted in the top 10. Um, lots of people think he's going to go to Miami at number five. But again, I wouldn't surprise me if somebody traded above Miami to get to two or three to trade to draft him, even if they have to redshirt him a year for his hip injury. But I think Tua made the right move to go to the NFL. Um, again, quarterback needy teams, the Chargers, you have Carolina, you have Cincinnati will be taking a quarterback. You have potentially Tampa, depending on what they do with with uh, Winston. Yeah, so there'll be there'll be some needy teams at quarterback uh, that'll be looking for Burrow, Tua, Herbert, and even Jake Fromm uh, declared for the draft uh, today. So he'll be in the draft. I don't think he's going to be a first round pick. I think you'll you'll get him in the second round. But uh, Fromm to the draft, Tua to the draft. So. Uh, one other, one other college thing I want to mention before we get to the college football championship. There's something going on at Georgia. I don't know what it is, but there's a lot of uh, a lot of players leaving, one for the draft, which is not overly surprising, but there's several big recruits that have decommitted from Georgia after signing their letter of intent. There's a couple of big prospects that are on the team at Georgia that were four or five-star prospects last year that are going to be transferring. I don't know what's going on at Georgia, but keep an eye on Georgia, what, kind of what's going on with the coaching staff or whatever. Something's, something's a little bit uh, off in, in Athens with, with Kirby Smart with, with this exodus of players that are entering the transfer portal and such. So keep an eye on that as we head through spring football. All right, last but not least, we're going to talk college football championship. Finally, we are at the college football championship. I mean, it has been forever since they played. Way too long between games, 17 days, something like that between games. You know, I just don't – the Saturday – they played the semifinals the Saturday before um, New Year's Eve, which is like the 28th, 27th, something like that. So I don't know what the Oedipus is, why they, why they took this extra week, but I don't like it. Too much time in between games, 9, 10 days at most. They're playing it Monday night in New Orleans, in the Sugar Bowl. LSU-Clemson, LSU rolled, Oklahoma could have scored 70 if they wanted to. Clemson, big, huge comeback against Ohio State, down 16-0. Comeback, very courageous effort defensively. Huge drive by Lawrence late, 94 yards to win the game, to uh, score the, the game winner. Huge matchup in New Orleans, one thing to be aware of. Huge, big home field advantage for, for LSU. You're probably going to have it's probably going to be a 70 30 split at, at, at best for Clemson, if not 80 20. You're going to have a ton and ton of LSU people in that building. Those people will pay what they got to pay to get in the building. Clemson will bring some people too, but that game's an hour from Baton Rouge. As much of a, of a, of a home field crowd as that LSU, that, that state of Louisiana can be. That, that's going to be worth at least a point or two. LSU comes in as a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Huge matchup at quarterback. Burrow, Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence, 25-0 and 0 as a starter. Joe Burrow with the unbelievable year. Heisman Trophy winner. Comes out of nowhere. Was the quarterback last year, but just unbelievable uh, improvement this year with Joe Brady calling plays. LSU's offense is a wrecking crew, felt people. They are a wrecking crew. I've never seen an offense so efficient, so tactical, so precise as as this LSU offense. They got three 
Excuse me, need a, need a sip of water. Give me one second. Ah. The fresh taste of some Propel watermelon flavored electric light water beverage. Definitely recommend Propel water. Joe Burrow, three big-time wide receivers. All three will play in the NFL. Got a big-time running back in Edwards Hilaire. Coming off his hamstring injury, they got through the Oklahoma game with him, with him having to play next to nothing. So he's going to be fully healthy for this, for this championship game. The only concern I have is the LSU offensive line. A little bit leaky at times. Clemson doesn't have a great defensive line this year as opposed to last year, so that may not be as big of a liability. But LSU's offense versus Clemson's defense, to me, is the, is the matchup of the game. I think in the, if you watch the Clemson game, they Ohio State had a lot of receivers open. They missed some throws that were there. I didn't like how Clemson kind of got their safeties exposed on their wide receivers. If that happens in this game, LSU will destroy Clemson. Their, their top three receivers are elite and Clemson wants no part of their safeties being involved in coverage. One thing that Clemson did very well in the game was red zone defense against Ohio State. They held them to field goals. If they can hold LSU to field goals in some of these red zone uh, red zone situations, they're going to be in the game. But they they that's going to be critical. Is can the L can the Clemson defense keep the LSU offense out of the end zone every single time? LSU's defense against Clemson's offense. I think you're gonna the one thing I don't like about Clemson's offense. They throw a lot, just a ton of jump balls. They throw a lot of 50-50 balls. You, my guy's going to go get it over your guy. And, and I get that. You got great, they got great receivers in Justin Ross and T. Higgins. But LSU has great corners. They got Stingley, the freshman. They got Grant Delpit at safety. They got another corner that's going to be an NFL player. So very strong at corner for LSU. I think if Clemson's going to be in the game, I think they got to really they got to find a way to establish Etienne against that front seven of LSU. That LSU front seven is not great. They're good. They don't have again both front fours for both teams are not elite elite units this year, as opposed to previous years when those guys when LSU and Clemson are known for having great defensive linemen. So again, I think the running game for both teams is going to be critical. Which team can establish it? Because the more you can establish it. The more those RPOs become more effective, the quarterback runs become more effective. Uh, Lawrence ran the ball a very good bit in the in the semifinal game. I thought he ran the ball too much, but personally, if you remember, he got lit up on a hit that he that people thought he I thought he got knocked out, and he probably was some somewhat concussed to some degree. But don't if they're running Trevor Lawrence, you know, a ton. I think that's advantage LSU. I think. Because LSU's gonna, they're gonna lay the wood to him, hit him. Even if he gains some yards, they're gonna hit him. Can can Trevor Lawrence? Can they throw the ball more than just pure jump balls? Can they get the ball out in coverage? Can they ex get the guys isolated that they want to get? Um, another uh, another point in this game to me is gonna be the kicking game. Clemson does not have a great field goal kicking unit. LSU, I think, is much better in that. But again. You have to make the field goals you have to make. If you end up having to kick a couple field goals, you got to make them. The punting game, uh, again, the return game, the, the, the punt returns, the, the, the penalties and the special teams, these are critical elements of the game 
that determine field position and play calling. So I like LSU. I think they got too much offense and too many receivers for the Clemson defensive backs. I think you're going to see Venables play a lot of different coverages and a lot of different three-man rushes, those kind of things for make to make Burrow have to hold the ball. If you recall, there were Oklahoma played some three-man uh, three-man rush coverages. Burrow, there was a couple plays. Burrow had literally seven, eight, nine seconds to throw the ball. So I think you're going to see Venables mix it up. I I think he's going to try to minimize the exposure of his corners because he knows those. But if LSU can get into a rhythm. That's where I think you're going to see potentially running the ball with Edwards Hilaire. If they run, if they have those three-man rushes, you're going to see LSU run the ball a little bit to open up those passing lanes for Jefferson, Marshall, and those receivers. So look out for uh, Thaddeus Moss, tight end for LSU, son of Randy Moss. He's going to be a guy that I think is going to have a couple big catches in the game. Um, but I like LSU to win the game 41-27. Ends the Clemson uh, winning streak 25 in a row. They've actually won 30 in a row. Lawrence is 25 and 0 as a starter. I think Ed Orgeron gets his first national championship. The celebrations, the all night party will begin in New Orleans Monday night. Herb Street, Fowler, ABC. I like, again, I like LSU to win, cover the five and a half, take the five and a half, and run. Take. LSU, 41-27, Clemson, National Championship, heading back to Baton Rouge. Thanks for listening to the Powers on Sports podcast. If you have any questions, comments, we'd love to hear from you. Send me a, a comment, some feedback, at KickTheFB, at KickTheFB is a Twitter handle. Uh, tell your friends about the podcast. We're on Stitcher, we're on Google Podcasts, we're on Apple I'll post it on my Facebook site. would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. We'll give you our championship NFL championship game preview. We'll review the uh, college football championship game. We'll review the divisional games. Maybe Cleveland will have a head coach. Who knows? So we'll see you next time on the Powers on Sports podcast. Thanks for listening.